Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Me, Evan Grant uh, of the Dallas Morning News, along with uh, Kevin Sherrington, and our old friend Barry Horn, also of the Morning News. Very old. Very old. That the, We don't right now, at this point in time, have an actual title for this sports-related podcast, but we thought that Three Old Men might be a, a good working title, but uh, that's not going to draw the kids in, I don't think. We'll work on a title. Kevin, Evan, and Bubby. Nobody knows what Bubby is. <laughs> Bubby Brister? <laughs> Barry no, keeps going to the Bubby not. Brister card. But not. All right, so we're, we've decided we're going to join the rage and have a sports day, sports-related, sports-centric, Rangers-influenced occasionally podcast. And uh, uh, fortunately, we were able to round you two guys up. You were uh, available. So um, wanted to get started on some Rangers talk. You guys both seem pretty excited for that. We're down with that, man. You're down for that. It's a good time to be talking Rangers today. It is. It's Tuesday. They're above 500. Let's make sure we get that uh, out there and and, and rolling. So um, what should we start with? Should we start with the fact that this club brought up Joey Gallo? What are your thoughts on Joey Gallo and his call-up? Uh, uh, Joey Gallo, uh, this this can't it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a good thing or a bad thing. I don't think uh, at this point, uh, I, I don't know that it helps him that much. They keep talking about how uh, oh this will be this will be good. He'll he'll get a sense of things. He's up for two weeks. You know, I think just when he starts to get some kinks worked out, then it's time to go back down again. Uh, so I'm not sure how much good this really does. Is Kevin sitting on the fence here? Yes, he is. Oh my God, it's it's a great thing that he's up. Great, great, Quite a great. Because he is the future of this team, I'm tired of what people saying he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He's he's old. He's 21. He can play in the major leagues, and he'll he'll be up here and he'll sink or swim. But so, do you agree with the call up or not? <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. I just don't. I just don't think that it's necessarily good for his development. I don't think it's necessarily good for the club. I, you know, at this point, I don't know what he what he brings uh, to third base. Uh, I think that Adam Rosales would have been would have been fine for two weeks, patch it up, you know, move on from there. Bring Ruggio Dora up, let let him play, uh, you know, second base with Hanser Alberto if that's what you want to do. I think that was fine. The, the club's really going well right now, and uh, and I, I don't I'm not sure uh, what's the point of, of kind of making a little bit of a circus out of this. You think it's you, you think this is going to be a circus? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, you know, that, 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 having said that, you know, I was all for them bringing up Josh Hamilton. And what's a bigger circus than Josh Hamilton, right? Uh, but at the time that they made that decision, the club was, was foundering and uh, things weren't going so well. So at, at this point, um, I, th- that's what I say. I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I just don't know that when they say – I really don't get the idea why they're doing this. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. All right. Well, I, I think there's a couple of reasons involved. And, and, and yesterday, John Daniels was, as, as you guys are aware, very much – 
of the mindset that this will help Joey's development long term. That he'll get about two weeks, maybe three weeks up here where he will get a sense of what it's going to take for him to get back here permanently. Why is everybody limiting this to two weeks? What if he comes up and he hits the ball and he plays good third base? What are they going to do then? Are you, you're you saying they should retire have... Adrian Beltre? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what if he comes up and he, and he plays well and uh, he's everything you think he'll be? Then he'll go back to the minor leagues, work out in left field, and, and when they need an outfield situation or another DH situation, then they'll revisit that. But this is a temporary thing. I don't, I don't think anybody, and I think the wrong thing to do would be to expect Joey Gallo to come up here and rake. He's not. Be, be, is he I, on the grounds crew? What do you mean, come up here and rake? Uh, that's is baseball that be, lingo. Inside baseball that's, from yeah, Evan Grant. Yeah. yeah, it's real rake. inside. Uh, okay, so he, he won't hit the ball very often very well. <laughs> Thank you. Can I do the visual I, I think, for you? I think you? Bubby got that one. I, he will. He will get some mistakes, and he will hit them, and people will ooh and awe ah because he will hit a home run about six hundred feet before this this two week stint is up. But I think at the plate, overall, he's going to be overmatched. I don't think that's a terrible thing at this point in time because I go back to that example of Joey Gallo last spring in two thousand fourteen, the one time he got a major league exhibition game as a Class A player. And he was put into a terrible situation by Ron Washington, I thought, by leaving him out there for six at-bats and five strikeouts. And it was the kind of thing that could have humiliated and embarrassed a kid. And what did he do? He went to Class A Myrtle Beach, and he won the MVP in the Carolina League. And he didn't even play there in July and August. You know, he was gone by the middle of June. This kid, I think they feel like, has has what we have seen from Rangers kids that they've brought up in the last couple of months – this group of, of, of players, uh, particularly Chichi Gonzalez and, and, and what we saw from Nick Martinez last year and this year, there is a ma- and, and Keone Kella, there is a makeup component. And these guys seem to be able to grasp what they're getting out of the big leagues and make adjustments. And I think that they have, have kind of changed their approach a little bit to when they bring kids up. It's not just about raw talent anymore. It is about what they will get out of the experience. And, and, and so I think they feel like they've had already an example that Joey Gallo can take a situation where he may fail results-wise and still succeed out of that. And, and the reason why they don't do this long-term is because they're, they're loaded with uh, left fielders, first baseman, DHs. And yeah, left-handed, if, and left-handed, left-handed batters. Batter. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's not going to play third base uh, when Beltre comes back, and he's not, Beltre is going to play third, then the, he, he can't play first base. He hasn't played much first base. He has played some. Uh, and he's played very little left field too, so that that's the problem. And he's not going to DH because that's what Prince Fielder does. So you just you just run out of positions here, and that and that's what, another reason why to me this, you know, is is not necessarily a great thing. I, I think if they hadn't come Look, along, they've lost so well. Adrian Beltre, so there are no great things. No, I mean, that's they've, true. They've lost a huge part of this uh, of this team, and they've lost their only right-handed hitter in the middle of the lineup. So there are no great things. So, but your choices were you call up Odor who you sent down a month ago, and I don't think a month ago you sent him down with the idea uh, we're going to bring him back within three or four weeks. I think you sent him down with the idea we're going to let him get right and we'll figure out when he's ready to come back. Your other choice was to call up uh, a journeyman like Ed Lucas, who if Ed Lucas walks into the clubhouse and he's a nice minor league depth option. He's really he, smart. But if he, Yes, he's, a, he's an Ivy League graduate. But if he walks into the clubhouse – Unless they have like you know an, a, a Jeopardy game, he's not going to excite anybody. But plus, he gets uh, Ross Olendorf somebody to talk to. Ross Olendorf, uh, 
That's an, we'll get into Ross Ollendorf and cow milking at another point in time. Maybe we'll have. <laughs> but a he's also team. very smart. He is very smart. But that, I think that's, he'd your rather, Mensa, that's your Mensa team right there. I think he'd rather talk animal husbandry than nuclear physics. Really? Yes. He's married to an animal. Is that what you're saying? No, he's come on, Kevin. This is Texas. Everybody knows what this means. <laughs> I was explaining that for Barry. Look, Barry's Barry's eyes are, are looping. I, I have no idea this. what what's happened here. Yeah. Take control of him. <laughs> All right, fine. So, Kevin, you as usual are very much against anything that the Rangers have done. Yeah, that's me, Debbie Downer. Yeah, that's me. Debbie Sherrington and yeah. Debbie Downer. No, no. I, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing or, or a good thing. I, I don't know that he gets that much out of uh, being up here for for a couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I think it's. I think this is uh, a, a little more of. Hey, look, fans, look what we're going to do for you. We're going to bring up Joey Gallo now. And, and that's another topic altogether. I think that the fan base here has been uh, for fifteen years now with the proliferation of minor league. Uh, websites and and, and those kinds of things has been constantly hyped over the next minor league prospect and how they're all going to come up and immediately have success. That's just not how things usually work. Right. And and, and, and so I think if you you lower your expectations and you say Joey Gallo is the best guy we can have out there to field third base and help these pitchers who put the ball in play quickly. But you you guys are so negative. Occasionally guys come up. Mike Trout came up. How old was he when he came up? Twenty. Twenty. Okay. How old? He was, was like your grandson. How? How old? What? How? How old was Pudge Rodriguez when he came up and stuck? He was nineteen. 19. Okay, guys, come up and do it. Right. That's two in twenty-five years. Evan, we'll, we'll call Jerry Fraley here. We'll get a list, an but, accurate but list it, just, of, of guys. Come, it happens. Fact. Guys come up and they produce. So. You're, everybody's More expert. often than not, they don't immediately produce. But sometimes they do. Sometimes they okay, do. Okay, thank you. And, and, and I think on the short term, he may. But I think the longer you keep him up here, the more exposed he's going to be. So if he comes up and he, and he bats well and fields well and, and is, is good, he's going down no matter what. Yes, he will go have some Franklin barbecue in Round Rock before June is over. Okay. All right. Are you against that? Is that what you're saying? I think if he comes up and he, and he shows that he belongs... He should stay. There, there's no place for him to play. Where, was it, where is he going to play? You going to make him into a right fielder? You going to sit down and chew? Maybe, maybe, maybe. You going to put him? Well, what if? What if choose? What if choose June is choose turns into choose April? What if? There's a lot of what. There's ifs. a lot of what if. So, you, but you guys are determined it. to send him down. Uh, listen, I'm just going by what the general manager said, which is a different demeanor than he's usually taken. But with he has to be prospects. safe. He has to be safe. He has. To, he's, he has. In to the be past, he has. You don't have. You don't have to be. Well, that's why I'm a you reckless. Could, I'm a reckless daredevil, Barry. I, I see. I, I saw that on your motorcycle this morning. <laughs> Holy cow! All right, well, let's go into something that everybody can feel good about. Then instead, instead of we having to have this big split, what did we think of Josh Hamilton's first week back with the Rangers? Particularly Josh Hamilton's first series back at home in Arlington. Oh, you know, I I, I said this on on a TV show uh, yesterday. If if Ranger fans, yes, that's that's me. If Rangers fans want him to succeed and want the Rangers to succeed, they should give him a standing ovation every at bat because nobody flies better off of that stuff than he does. When that, when that happened and when they when he got up and the fans gave him that reaction, which is pretty much what I expected of them the, the first time. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much – there was no doubt that when he walked up to the plate – and, and I listened to national radio talk shows, I listened to TV shows, and people were saying, what's the reaction going to be like when he – who walks into a stadium nowadays, pays money to boo a home player? Who does that? 
The people who came to in see Philly, Josh Hamilton that. in Philly, they, in, in, in Philly, they've had four consecutive years of losing. Yeah. But nobody—he's he's our guy again, and we're rooting for him. We're rooting for the, for the uh, jersey and for the guy who's in the in the jersey. There's no question about that, it, and, that and that's such a bogus thing with fans. I, I don't get that. You know, as, as soon as the guy leaves, oh, he's he's dirt. And and uh, and and Josh Hamilton's sins when he left here were, were far far from what a lot of uh, of athletes are. Uh, and, and and Josh said the magic words. Well, yeah. Not a baseball town. Right. And the stuff that his wife said, his then wife said at the press conference about the Rangers not putting a ring on it and, and inferring that there wasn't a commitment on Texas's part, I think that rubbed fans, a lot of fans, the wrong way. They impl- She implied she didn't infer. That's true. Thank she you, implied. Mr. Strunk and Mr. White. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but she did. I, I mean, th- there was there was a negative connotation. Yes, absolutely. But if you wrote the book, if you wrote the script for his return, for his return on the first weekend, I mean, that everything and happily ever after with that double uh, to, to end the pinch hit double, walk off double. Yeah, thank you. I said that double. Everybody who's listening knows what double I was well, talking. about. He did about. have Let's that double specific. in his first at bat the other night too. Yeah, but we're talking about the walk off hit. The walk off. The walk off. Yeah, don't be specific or anything like that. No, because we're talking to fans here, and they they know. We so, talk to fans every day in the paper. And online. We, no. That's what we do for a living. No, we don't talk to them. We talk at them. <laughs> online, we talk to them. Okay. But the, the point is, is that he is such a transparent individual. You, you know every single thing he's thinking. He, he hides nothing. And when he, he gets up there, and after that game, after the walk-off double, he's uh, – no, it was after the two-home run game. He said, you know, that this meant everything to him, the, the reaction of the fans. And, that, and he admitted. He said, yes, it does make me play better to get that kind of reaction from them. I, I have no doubt about that about him. And, and, th- and that's why if uh, – you know, who would have expected him to come in? Now, the, the bat speed's there. He looks really good. I mean, I, I expected him to come back and maybe be at the level he was his first year uh, in Anaheim, you know, something like that. It, it, right now, he looks like the Josh that left. You know, which is well, not exactly the Josh that left. Not exactly the Josh that left. It was was bad. Was bad, Josh. Yeah, back up a couple of months. Right, 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 right. Back when we were looking at a hundred and seventy-five million dollar contract kind of deal. That Josh, he, he, he has looked really good to me in terms of approach at the plate. Uh, There, there are two at bats that stand out for me in this first week, and that is the two home run game. After he hit two home runs, which is typically when Josh's swing gets big, kind of out of control, and his eyes get big, late in that game he takes that walk after getting down 0-2. Right. Um, And then I went back and I looked. Last year in Anaheim, he did not reach base on an 0-2 count all year. (laughs) Did not reach base once on an 0-2 count. He sat back and he let let himself get back into that at bat without trying to do too much. And that told me that he's relaxed. It told me that he's... He's not just swinging wildly. But but he's shown how fragile he can be o- over the years, especially when he was here and there. So so let's let's not all get on the bandwagon quite yet. Oh no, I, I'm not saying that he's gonna he's gonna end up with 130 RBIs and, and 35 home runs. You know, when when they signed him for for what less than two million a year, uh, my thought was if he if he hits 20 home runs from here on out and and drives in 75 or 80 runs. That's a big improvement over what they had on the left field. And, and I think here's the, here's the thing, is that you looked at him last year and you, you were seeing him every at-bat miss pitches by eight inches or a foot or completely give up on at-bats. And so you had no idea, is the bat speed still there? 
Is the talent still there? Has his body, as everybody projected because of all the years of substance abuse, has his body already broken down on him? What, what I think we've seen in the first week is that the physical talents are still there. Yeah, is he going to be streaky? Absolutely. Is there going to be something weird that happens over the final four months? Absolutely. But the physical talent is there, and right now the frame of mind is good. The second at bat, Barry, the, the particular double that Barry was referencing. The, the, double. the, the double. double. The double. The yeah. double. As it's going on in history, it's going down as the, the double. The double. Yeah. Again, that's an at bat where he, he takes the ball and he goes the opposite way. Doesn't try and yank it. Doesn't try and do too much. And it's a it, it's kind of a well thought out approach and and I think the one thing that when you when you looked at Josh over the years and you said that there are things that he doesn't do well it's oftentimes that, the, that it didn't seem like there was an approach at the plate that there was a well thought out approach well, how many times did you see Josh even when he was going well get up there that first pitch would be eight inches off the plate and he's swinging swing and 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 you know I, I would if I was Josh I would have said to him for the next three months. I'm telling you right now, do not swing at the first pitch. And you will start out with ball one because everyone is starting you off with that pitch every single at bat. And he was doing that. And now, now he's not. And as you said, th- those pitches were all pretty close that he was laying off uh, on 0-2. But they were all balls, and he, and he took all of them. And it, was the, and, and it was Breslow went after him the way every lefty and it ever goes, goes after, a guy, after him at two strikes. Down and away, down and away, down and away, and lets him go out and chase the bat. And, and the swing and the ball and the swing comes through, and, and the bat is up, and it's strike three. Right, and and he didn't do that, you know. He, and, and to me, that was the single most impressive plate appearance that he had of the week, and it did parlay into a big run at that point in time. But let's talk about the person on this team who has made the biggest adjustment in his approach at the plate in his career that I, I think I've ever seen of a player at this point, at, at the midpoint of what has been a really terrific career. Who would that be? Uh, well, you're not, naming the mo- you're, not, you're not naming the most important person because the most important person is a pitcher on this team who well, no, come but, through. But, so, right, but so right now, as a hitter. You're the most important hitter. As a most important are you hitter, talking about Prince Fielder? I'm talking about Prince Fielder. Well, and, and what do you think is the adjustment that he's made or the or – the, the fact that he's going the other way, and not only is he going, he's not like he's what everybody would always say about a, a hitter like him. And when, when you get these shifts on, is that oh they're just going to dink the ball in the left field? He's not dinking the ball in the left field. He's he's waiting on the pitch, and then he's he's smoking liners into left field and getting singles. He's getting doubles. You know he's he's producing runs. That's I would bet that most of his RBIs have come on balls he's hit the other way this season. I don't know that I've got a metric for that, but yeah, I mean, I Look think he's, up, would you? I think he's got a significant number of RBIs by by just hitting the by hitting the ball the other way. It's, and, it's just an amazing. And some approach. of them, are, some of them are dicks because he's he's fighting off. You know, he's spoiling pitches that in the past maybe he rolled over on, and he's doing what he needs to do to get that ball in play the upper, the opposite way. I wonder how much effect that's having on other other guys on this team. I, I don't know that it is, but I, you would have to think that you look at a guy like Prince Fielder and that he's willing to make this kind of adjustment and, and he's having such success with it, I have to think those kind of things rub off on players. Prince Fielder has been, for me this year, we, you talk about the adjustment he's made in approach. For me, I've seen a guy that last year really was kind of a non-entity in the clubhouse and he came in here after that poor year in Detroit with people saying things about what was his makeup like and all that. He's been, and I, I, I hate throwing the word leader around, you know, all willy nilly, but he has. He's, I, I watch him work with the line of the shields in the clubhouse, and here's a guy who can reach the line of the shields 
more than anybody else because they have that similar background of having big league fathers, having grown up in major league clubhouses, having been first round picks with high expectations. He can speak to Delino in a way that's not that's going to resonate with him much more so than I think even some of the coaches. And I think that has to be happening. Why else is Delino DeShields all of a sudden realizing the potential that the Astros gave up on so quickly? In talking with Delino, I think that I and watching Delino a little bit. I asked him this, and he didn't really respond, but I think he got bored in the minor leagues. I think he felt like he was ready for the big league challenge, and he just got bored by the minor leagues. And let's not forget also that he had a broken face for part of last year. You know, I mean, got hit by that pitch. That's by, a good look on that picture, too. You that, that? That not a real good look. <laughs> but he got hit by that pitch by Phil Klein when, when he was with, with Corpus Christi, and I don't think he, he's never said that that impacted his season. He's never talked that, that he, he couldn't rebound from it. But look, I mean, you get hit in the face like that, it's going to have some kind of impact. Barry, have you ever been hit in the face? N- not by baseball. <laughs> but I don't want. But I don't want to. But I don't. You want to get into I don't the, really, the battered spouse thing? You don't. I, I don't. No, no. But enough about that. But yeah. but enough about me. Yeah. But but you know we're we're here at the perfect time for the Rangers. They're coming off a tremendous month. If, you know, if this podcast had started. 30 days ago, the whole conversation would be different. Let's sit back. Let's watch. Let's see what's going on. And let's talk about the most important improvement of the month. has been, And that's I think it's been the bullpen. Uh, you know, are you going to tell me that you thought that Sean Tolleson would be the closer on this team? No, but I did. I did. It w- it, I, I think if I go, if we go back to spring training, I think the first column I wrote basically from Arizona was – how important Tolleson could be to this bullpen because he had the ability to get left-handers out, and the Rangers needed, needed a linchpin. Right. They needed a linchpin in their bullpen. Um, I did not expect that he would be the closer, and I quite frankly expected that if the Rangers, with the way their roster was set up, that if they went away from Feliz, that that Kella would be would would be the first choice. Tolleson has a weapon against left-handers in that changeup. The slider has gotten quite good against right-handers as well, and. I also have to I, I have to say here that in, in in my estimation, Jeff Bannister has done. Jeff Bannister handles a bullpen really well. He under he he understands matchups. He understands guys' strengths and weaknesses, and he's done a really good job of mixing and matching matching, matching pieces. Um, but yeah, I, this team in the first six weeks, it couldn't hold a lead, exactly. and and it's the Thank kind you. of thing that completely demoralizes a club. But now, have, you got different pieces just besides Sean Tolleson, too, though. You got Tanner Shepherds came back. You know, you had Ross Olandor. They, they got a veteran guy in there. Those those made big differences when you when you put in those pieces. Absolutely, but those. But look, Shepherds was sent down. Yeah, he, he wasn't ready. He, he wasn't ready. No, and he was sent back down. Olandorf obviously had to come back from the injury, but hey, they no longer have to score ten runs to, to win a game. Oh, absolutely, no, they can and, protect and, the lead late. Right. I, I I would I would suggest that that. That the example of Sean Tolleson and using his changeup and using it so well and so frequently is the maybe the best impact that Mike Maddox has had on a pitcher on this staff, maybe ever. Well, I I, I think I, I I think Mike suggested last year when he saw Tolleson kind of playing around with the changeup while playing catch, he suggested, "Hey, that's a, that's pretty good. Use it." And and I think the most powerful words a coach could ever have for a player is to put it put things in a way that a player then believes 
okay, it's going to be my decision now when I use it. That he got a little bit of confidence from Maddox, and he said, okay, maybe I'll try this in a game. And then he had some success with it, and he said, okay, I can throw this more. I believe in it. And and, and so the the move towards that changeup, I think, in his mind, was kind of uh, moved forward by, by him thinking, I'm doing this. I'm making this change. And, and I think that's you can't as a coach you can't go to a guy and say you have to do things this way you have to do things that way i know that's how you've always handled it with kids parenting sure right yeah. and 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 i mean no, you have to make it think it's their idea right absolutely. just like with your kids i'll talk to you about it about raising kids <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks very much i will give you guys some clues how, on how many of your kids, kids are in prison right now no is, it, comment. is it two out of three no comment okay. they're work farms okay work farm that's right i forgot yeah the pea so, farm all right, so you're saying, Barry, that the bullpen has been the single biggest. I just don't player. want us to overlook it. I don't want us to sit here and just talk about Hamilton and Fielder and, and Well, the fact Gow. that they're, sco- now they're scoring runs. They weren't scoring anything. So right. they were the worst offensive team in baseball. So that now. Well, they now, were the worst team in baseball. So, okay, no, there's pitching, Hold offense, running. Yeah, they, they couldn't do anything. You're right. right. They so they've gone anything. from 8 and 16 to above 500. What is the single biggest reason for why they're there? Are you saying it's the bullpen? He says the bullpen. I'm going to say it's the offense. I, I'm not going to say the guys come around uh, scoring. I, I'm going to say if 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 you're if you're batting and you know you don't have to score ten runs, twelve runs a game to win a game, or if you're up seven two going into the eighth inning and you know, oh my God, this game is going to be an eight seven loss. Look for, uh, for a while there, the, the bullpen was, was so bad oh, that, that guys were coming in and giving up home runs on the first to the first hitter. I mean that that was happening with regularity. How often have you ever seen that? I had not seen a week quite like that in. Uh, it, it was unbe- unbelievable in my career, which is a lot shorter than both of yours. Yeah. But it, it was and will be a lot shorter. <laughs> let me just say this, and I certainly won't have the same acclaim that yeah. both of you have had. But yeah. no, it, it was it was awful. Um, and and I think again, it's to go back to what Barry was saying. That is the kind of thing that just absolutely demoralizes a club. And they had situations where they were taking leads or they were taking tie games to the seventh inning. Bringing a guy in and boom, and you know what's going to happen. And you, yeah. you, you know, you sit there, you're watching the game on TV, you're at the ballpark, it, you just wait for the inevitable. It's coming, it's coming. And I think that's why people had such a, a feeling that this was bound to be a disaster of a season um, at that point in time. I, I think the offense was troubling, and yeah, I got lots of emails and lots of tweets from people, you know, who all of a sudden wanted to fire Dave Maggot again. And it's amazing that in the past two weeks, I haven't had one tweet. From a reader about Dave Maggot and, and the impact he's had on the offense. Well, now you're going to get tweets from listeners. Yeah, well, we hope. Yeah, <laughs> but, but here's it's, it's easier to fix a bullpen than it is to fix an offense. If, if you if you if you find a couple of the right pieces, move a couple of people around. Well, things, this goes back to, to work. Better. This goes back to John Daniels' belief, and not to, I, I mean not to uh, oversimplify this, but I think his belief is that a lot of times you gather enough arms, you mix around the pieces. It may take some time for things to to fit together. But yes, you can find the right mix. But I don't think that's a, that's not a long term solution. That, that that I don't I don't think when you, when you're mixing and matching that's a it's a long term solution. Talent wins. Talent wins in every sport. And, and tried and true guys. I'm not sure how long you can mix and match and 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 or patch you know patch the fence and the fence will stay strong. 
But well, that was one of the, the great, great metaphor. I love that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the you feel free to use it. Yeah, I, I will. you will. I'll as you will. Yeah, as you in. will. Yeah. But but the, now I give John Daniels credit for this. He, he's pretty good at building bullpens, and, and he has not given a lot of money to his relievers typically. You know, and that's the one area he's kind of found people, and, he, and it's always worked. I did think this year going into the season without a left-handed reliever was was foolishness. I I, I think he. He he made a mistake there. He, he was a little uh, a little too calm. It was it was almost a little bit like he was. But here the last here we season. are, June second, and all of a sudden there's two lefties in the bullpen, and they're they've been pretty effective. Yeah, and he's fixing to add Detwater too. So right. So uh, I don't know that they'll go to three lefties, but yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll let me see. ask you this question, Evan Grant, Jeff Bannister. What difference has he made in this team? Okay, I I, I think that this was Kevin's point. I don't know that he ever said it in as many words. <laughs> Wait, what are you a mind reader? <laughs> yes. You don't think he ever said he it? Really this was his point. He alluded. He alluded to it, or he inferred it, or he, no, implied, he implied, implied it. it. You, you inferred, inferred it. it. Whatever. But the more I think about this, I'm convinced, and, and this has nothing to do with with why ultimately Ron Washington resigned. I don't think Ron Washington wanted to manage anymore last year. I, I think that. I think he just didn't want the job anymore. It really... You know, I, f- I found it unbelievably odd when I went out there and I did a piece on him, on him becoming the winningest manager in uh, Rangers history. And I think and it, it, there's a little delay between the time I did the piece because they went on a losing streak. But he talked about, well, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to become... I can always go back to coaching. Well, I, can was, go back and, I can always go back... All, that's what he always said. And go back and be, the you know, a, a coach. And he always mentioned... What organization did he always mention? He'd Oakland. go back. Oakland. He'd go Oakland. back. He'd go back to Oakland, and and maybe you're right. Um, so are you saying he quit on the team? That's a that's a that's a he did quit on the team. He quit. Well, yeah, ultimately <laughs> he did quit. <laughs> no, but you're saying he quit on the team. I long, get technical with you, you. You're saying he quit on the team long before he quit on the team. I don't. I don't say. I, I hate. And he, he, I don't really think he quit. I, he, I hate uh, using that phrase. Kind of, he, he quit. He I do he's, think he's he became disengaged, and I do think he just in some ways. Lost the interest, lost the desire to do all the things. Managing a big league club is a twenty four seven kind of job. You know, I mean, you've got all those personalities to manage. You've got all us nosy media types who are constantly asking you and badgering questions. You've got a more influence from the front office than you've ever had before. And I think there there got to a point where Ron Washington basically said, "You know what? All things considered." I'd probably like to be an infield coach where I can just go out with my pancake glove and work with guys for for an hour. Work so what has Bannister split. brought? I, I I think Bannister. Uh, look, Buck Showalter handles a bullpen and handles personnel moves uh, as well as any guy I've ever seen. Don't know if I'd say Buck Buck Showalter handles personalities as well as people I've ever seen, but I think Jeff comes in with a really good approach of understanding why this maneuver or that maneuver would work there's no well my gut says this there's none of there is a reason behind everything and he's able much more or willing much more to tell the media and the public why so whether there's a difference in how he approaches things or not there's a difference in how it is um uh translated and a difference in how it's explained. And I think that, that makes a difference to, to people who watch the game. I think it does. And I, I think we're seeing now why uh, John Kevin, Also, he is from Houston, and let's just face facts. You love he's, the fact. That he's, from, he's, he's from Lamarck. Let's get that straight. That okay. is not Houston. 
Okay. Uh, and, you're, no. and you're from Pasadena. Too, I'm from right? Houston. That's Pas- not Pasadena. That is not Pasadena. No, Houston is not Pasadena. No, that's not. That's not the case. But you're from at, Pasadena. At, but, no, but, I went to Pasadena schools. I'm from Houston. I hate to get technical with you guys, uh, but that's the way it is. But, uh, okay. but you were born, can we move on? You were, you were born in Dallas. I was born in okay, Dallas. Thanks. That's correct. Uh, okay, now that we can move on from my <laughs> my bio. Uh, the, the the deal is uh, you know, also you went to the University of Houston. Which where did Jeff Bannister go to college? University uh, Barry, of Houston. University okay. of Houston. Right. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're buds. Uh, Cougs. Actually, I think I I may have even have, have written about him when he was in college. I, I can't remember that far back. But anyway, you can't remember last week. I cannot breakfast either. So uh, the, no, the de- the deal is is that when he when John Daniels hired him instead of Tim Bogart, everybody thought Tim Bogart is getting this job. Oh yeah, right. And and I think now we're seeing why John Daniels hired him. At the, at the press conference, you know, listen, I've been around and seen lots of press conferences, but there have been a few that I've been as impressed with a guy in his, his initial press conference as, as when uh, Jeff Bannister came in and spoke. I, you I, were I, impressed? I was very impressed with what, him. What, what, what was impressive to you? What was impressive to me was that I, I believed everything he said. I believed that everything he said was coming from his heart uh, and from his experience. And, and, and so many times you can see in a guy that he's just saying the right things. I, I believe that this is who this guy was. Uh, I, I thought from the very beginning what I saw in that press conference is what we see now. The, the thing that's about that pre- – I go back to that press conference and my first few interactions with Jeff Bannister, and the word that always came to my mind was earnestness. Um, but a lot of people, and, and maybe maybe you among them, said intensity. And I'm seeing that intensity now along with that earnestness. I'm seeing this is this is a guy who is not happy after losses. I mean, this is this is not a guy who stays completely on an even keel after losses. He he takes losses hard. And Has he thrown anything at you yet? Not yet. Um, but I expect it to happen. Um, will, will you wear the underwear on your head the way Jim Reeves once did when Doug Rader? Uh I will probably. Actually, you will actually. Jim wore underwear on his head often. That's a little known fact. Wow. Yeah. I will pluck the underwear off my head if it is tossed, but delicately. I, I think you know. You're right. He is very intense and he is very earnest. But but he's also a communicator, and that's and that's the great thing about it. You're getting. A, I th- I feel in this guy, you're getting a complete package. This is pretty much all the things you want in a manager. He's a guy with with very little ego. Uh, the players don't feel like he's trying to show them up. Uh, he, but he is, he is tough with the players. You know, you make some mistakes and you're, you're going to sit down. You know, I, I, one of the things he said about Ruggio door in, in spring training, some he of hasn't them, set Elvis down. Not yet, but does he have a shortstop? Well, he's got Alberto. He's now. got Alberto. Now. I think there's a reason why Alberto is here. And I think that had Adrian Beltre not gotten hurt, that Odor would be back sooner rather than later. And that the possibility very much existed that if Elvis didn't straighten things up, He'd have a couple consecutive days on the bench. That would have been interesting to see. I think that's I think that's that's correct. But but he's doing all this kind of stuff without making the guys look bad, you know. And and, and that's the key, is that it, especially with veteran players, is that if you if you're trying to send a message, do it in a way that you don't you're not going to show the guy up. Uh, so I, I see everything in him that you at this point that you wanted a manager. You know, it's very early, obviously. Well, we'll see how everything works out. But I I don't see. What you've seen in so many of the other Rangers managers over the years, obvious flaws, or not, maybe not flaws, but, but deficits in the things that you would want. He's, he's been very proactive with things. And I think if, if it hadn't resulted in success, we'd all be sitting back and saying, oh, he's a panicky manager. But it's resulted in success. And so you're saying he's pushing all the right buttons. I do think that he has done a good job of impacting the team, of trying to look – they identified Leonis Martin was not a leadoff hitter and something needed to be done. 
Did they try a few too many combinations with the lineup early in April? Possibly. No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. You have. I mean, you have to to, to come up with the right the right formula. So I, I think it's, it's it's a question worth asking. What would Ron Washington have done? You know, would we have been sitting on the same lineup? For, for for six weeks because uh, that's what Ron did you know right. uh, would, would he would he have just try to let things work their way out and 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 that would have driven the fans here crazy WWRW that's right wow what, what would, would Ron Washington have done what would Wash do Barry's really kind of getting into this radio voice I know <laughs> it's I think scary. I, I actually think that would probably before we start to creep too many people out. That would be a good place to stop for this. Yeah, week. really. We can work on that. Um, I'm still kind of like shivering over that last. Thing. Well, before we yeah. stop, I just want to say that uh, let's look for American Pharaoh to be the first Triple Crown winner since 1978. With the year you were born. Yes, I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> or the year you okay. were the year you were in your prime. Actually, that was the year I was bar mitzvahed, but. That's another. That's another, for another topic. Day. Oh, I forgot to bring a, I forgot to bring an envelope with eighteen dollars for you. <laughs> that will go over well with all our large segment of bar mitzvah patrons. Yeah. All right, we will be back hopefully very shortly if uh, the paper doesn't cancel us. That's Evan Grant. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and that's Barry Horn. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 